Beloved by God, Church, let us begin our service before the Lord. Let us stand and confirm the promise that belongs to the door of our hope. May the resurrection of Christ be enthroned in our bodies. Amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your name for this privilege to be upon this place that your hand has appointed for the worshiping of your holy name. Allow your inheritance in the name of the blood of the covenant to be lifted up to heights that are unreachable for us and to destroy all burden and sin that binds us. May in this service, as previously, all the works of the devil be cursed, illnesses, poverty, untimely death, demonic possession, all matters of fear, depression, destruction, error, ignorance, all of this may depart from the tents of your holy nation. And now stand, O Lord, upon the place of your rest, you and the ark of your might. And may your saints be clothed into your salvation and rejoice before your face. Give us more of your Spirit. Saturate us with your Holy Spirit. Allow us to find your great face. We thank you that the service is presented by Apostle Arkady into your godly hands, and we pray, lead it, and continue leading it with your powerful arm, our great Godson and Holy Spirit. Amen. May you be blessed. Please be seated. The book of Ephesians 4, 22 through 24. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful lusts, to be made new by the spirit of your mind and to put on the new self, created by God in true righteousness and holiness. The theme of the given place of Scripture is the right to the power to put off our former way of life so that we can clothe our bodies into a new way of life. And as we know, to fulfill this decree and commandment written in the book of Apostle Paul and presented to us in the series of sermons of Apostle Arkady, we need to put three destiny impacting, commanding, and fundamental acts into practice, and these are put off, be renewed, and put on. And so these verbs, they belong to a person who is clothed into the status of a father for the church to be able to have us receive it it needs to pre be presented to us in the form of a teaching fulfilling these three requirements will determine whether our salvation happens that is given to us in the format of a seed which we need to obtain as a possession in the format of the fruit of righteousness relevant to this we note that to be clothed into the new person, as it is written, who is created in accordance to God in righteousness and truth, is possible when you collaborate with the holy and undamaged word that has grown in our heart into the fruit of righteousness. Because it's not possible to be clothed into the person who is not created in righteousness and holy truth. Our new person consists of these two important components, righteousness and holy truth. And without the collaboration of, of the holy and undamaged truth grown into in our heart into the fruit of righteousness, 
we will not be able to be cro- uh, clothed into our new person. In Psalms, it is written that mercy and truth have kissed, and truth shall come forth, and our earth shall produce its fruit. And so, when our earth shall produce its fruit, means that our earth, our body will be able to be clothed into the power and resurrection of Christ. And so, how can our earth produce its fruit, or how can we be clothed into the power of life and resurrection of Christ? It's necessary to utilize mercy, truth, righteousness, and God's peace. And having the presence of the mercy of God in one area of our life does not automatically mean or guarantee that it's present in another area of our life. God's mercy is present in our spirit that is born from God and who is inherent to God, who is in God's likeness. And God's mercy begins in our soul, which is our renewed mind. If our mind is not renewed, not renewed, then our soul has no mercy, has no mercy. And so to fill the second aspect of ourself, our soul, we need to put mercy into our soul as well. And to put God's mercy into our soul is only possible when we place the truth of the Word of God into our mind, our renewed mind. And of course the third, if we have mercy in our spirit, if we have mercy in our soul, because in our spirit and our soul is God's holy truth, then this does not yet mean that this mercy is yet in our body. Our body still gets sick, it continues to suffer, and so now we need the truth, the undamaged truth, to be put by confessing with our mouth to be put in our body when we proclaim the not existent as existent. And in this way, we begin to put this mercy in our body. And so according to scripture, to have the presence of mercy in every aspect of our life, not just the spirit, soul, and body, every uh, part of us and so in every aspect of us we have in our soul we have emotions we have the will and all of these needs to be in absolute godly order and so we need to put the mercy of God in our emotion and how when we place our emotions independence of our will and place our will independence of our renewed mind and our renewed mind is placed independence of our born from God's spirit And so we need to cleanse our conscience from dead works. And when we don't cleanse our conscience from dead works, our pastor often says, we can be upon the place where God is, but we won't change. If I came to this church as a Baptist, I will remain a Baptist as in the denominational essence because there are things I don't want to part with And so, if I have these things and carry this baggage with me and don't want to rid myself of them, we have dead works in us, and dead works will never allow the truth of God to cling to to our spirit, soul, and body, ever. Dead works will not allow this to happen. They push away the truth. 
And so the presence of God's mercy in every aspect of our life needs, to, and so every aspect of our life needs to needs to have the truth. <clears throat> and this truth is based on righteousness. And so mercy needs to be met with truth. Mercy and truth shall come together. And when they meet together, mercy will meet only when we have truth. Only after that can righteousness and peace kiss. Having the truth of the word of God, not peddled, not damaged truth, the holy truth, will we be able to produce fruits of righteousness. Only after mercy and truth come together and righteousness and peace will kiss. And we see righteousness and peace, as the scriptures say, it is not according to the law that Abraham would be the heir of peace, but by the righteousness of faith. And so when mercy meets together with the undamaged truth in our spirit, in our soul, and in our body, and that's through confession, of course. And so the only opportunity we have to save our body <clears throat> is confession, confessing the word, the truth, that we hear. There's no other way we can allow God to then clothe our body into the new person that is created in accordance to God in true righteousness and holiness. Our new person is created in accordance to God in true righteousness and holiness. Through the holy truth are we clothing our body into the new person. And so we need again our mouth and confession. And so we have been studying the allegory contained in the 18th Psalm of David where getting to know and confessing the power that is contained in the heart of David in the eight names of God allowed David to call upon the Most High and gave God the legitimate right and ability to use the capabilities contained in his names against his enemies. I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield, and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call to the Lord, who is worthy of praise, and I have been saved from my enemies. Let us together now proclaim these eight names of God in our life. Lord, you are my strength. Lord, you are my rock. Lord, you are my fortress. Lord, you are my deliverer. Lord, you are my rock in whom I take refuge. Lord, you are my shield. Lord, you are the horn of my salvation. Lord, you are my stronghold. May the Lord hear this confession. May he make us worthy of these names and may he establish them within our heart. We together have already looked at the first name, Lord, you are my strength, and we will continue today on the name, Lord, you are my rock, and going forward, if pastor won't return yet, we will then be going on to the next name. Here, let us shortly remember the name of God, rock, what it's, uh, what does it have or what does it contain? If someone asks you, please explain to me what the name of God Rock means. 
And so what is the rock of, of the name of God? Lord, you are my rock. When you proclaim, Lord, you are my rock, what are you meaning when you say this? Here's the identification of the word rock in Scripture pertaining to the natural qualities of God, Most High, illustrated with the following coloring tints. Rock is resistant and uh, power. The, the This is the both the building and destructive power of the Word of, of the Most High. This is might and potential of the word of God Most High. God reveals to us his His uh, strength in his name and also his name Rock. This is the faithfulness of the Most High, only uh, faithfulness to his word. And so he is faithful. He is not faithful to us per se, but to his word. And so those people who acknowledge his word and make a covenant with him he then is faithful to as well because they're faithful to his words which he has uh, magnified above all his names this is the beauty of the most high uh, the Lord is also it's included in his covenant and so those are the qualities that we see as the strength of God his might, his potential, his uh, immovability, the ability to be movable, not being able to be broken, uncha- being unchanging in his state and the characteristics of God. He is yesterday, today, and forever, and forever the same. And so he continues to be that. What he has promised and what he has stated in his, in his word. And these are the characteristics that Christ has. And that means he is the God of strength, he is unchanging, he is immovable. By what signs do we now look at uh, the name rock? As we looked a little bit as of the word strength or the names of God's strength, let's look at rock. And so often these easily can be confused, uh, the name rock and strength. because uh, And so as the rock uh, of his name is, if we have it, that means we are members of the body of Christ, the church of Christ. Here's how we identify God's name, Rock, that we are members of His church. And by being members of His body, of His church, we are members then of the mountains, Zion. That church where we attend, this can be a small church. This doesn't need to be a mega church. It's rare that mega churches Uh, approach Mount Zion or are in the likeness of Mount Zion we need to identify the truth that is in the church first if it's present there, if it's existent there because it could be a synagogue of Satan but you have approached Mount Zion and in Psalm it talks about those that are the first fruits that have gathered to God and to the spirit of of the righteous ones And so all of these elements speak of the fact that in the church, these need to be preached. These, this truth needs to be preached. All of these components that, that there, we're the mountain Zion, we are the city of the living God. We need to be as Jerusalem, the bride of the Lamb. That the church needs to speak of the fact that the Lord is coming. The church needs to speak of 
uh, the promise that d belongs to the door of their hope, that this is uh, something you need to celebrate, that he has the church of the first fruits, not just the spirit of the righteous that have died and are waiting for the promise. He already has a church of the first sheaf that already have been clothed in the power of 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 Christ. And because we're an organic member of the church, you can see what we have access to. We have access to Zion, Jerusalem, to the blood of Jesus Christ, to the great uh, median. He, we are members of that first sheaf, those that had uh, were taken to God and are already in their new bodies and also connected to the spirit of those righteous who died but haven't yet received what was promised and so when we collaborate with God you are my strength then we partake to all of these uh, components this is all a demonstration of the virtue of faithfulness and and staying in the place where you're supposed to be you're faithful to your church you're faithful to the place where God has God has uh, called you to and we collaborate with the with the name of God rock when a person does not like God's place then we don't collaborate with his name rock the name of God rock in us is the collaboration of our will with our renewed mind which is the mind of Christ, or our faith, which is the mind of Christ in our spirit. The strength, or the rock of the name of God Most High is our ability to watch our own paths, not the path of the our neighbor or someone we don't carry responsibility for. Having the rock of the name of God in us is the governance of the truth that we confess And so when we confess with our mouth, Lord, you are my rock, it has these elements in it. This is also the demonstration of how to refuse the evil and choose the good. Here we also see the name of God, Rock. Now let us continue and finish the name of God, Rock, as we've been studying. And so when we're talking about, Lord, you are my rock, as it belongs to God, as we know, it has these fall these coloring tints, is resistant, strong, healthy, wise, tested, rooted, well-established, immovable, continuous, non-diminishing, constant, fearless, non-penetrating, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And here is, is the identification of the word rock pertaining to the name of God himself in Scripture, and they are stone, cliff, heaviness, weights, weight, and scales. And so we have been given the names, uh, scales, or the the definitions of and of the word scales and weights, scales of the Most High pertaining to the name of God. Rock is the absolute power and ability of the Most High, identified as His wisdom to fairly judge or weigh all of the made by Him creation, so that each one weighed upon the scale plates of righteousness can receive their punishment or their reward, independence of their weight. 
weights of the Most High are commandments and statutes of the Most High, which God uses to judge or weigh upon the scale plates of His justice, all the made by Him creation. And so we have been studying question four. By what results can we judge that we truly possess the virtue of a rock contained in the power of the rock of the name of God Most High? As it is written, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Isaiah 26, 3. And the first result of perfect peace consisting in the rock of our spirit is our ability to trust in the Lord. And so the places of scripture that talk about trusting in the Lord and as our pastor had mentioned also that you will open up the gates and the nation who is righteous who keeps truth within themselves uh, they will be the ones that will be able to enter for the Lord is our rock and so one who is a rock in their spirit is one who trusts in, in the Lord who trusts in God who is their eternal rock and in this situation to trust in God is also to keep the truth the undamaged truth as you have kept my word to persevere to keep the truth not and keep it in an undamaged form one who is strong in spirit is one who trusts in God and keeps truth in his heart and keeping the truth as we've heard in our heart that is cleansed from uh, earthly uh, chaff in the furnace of fi- in the furnace fiery furnace As it says in Psalm uh, 12.7, where it talks about the uh, gold being refined seven times. And so our gold needs to be refined seven times. If it is not, then our spirit will be at risk. And so when we experience any kind of weakness in our body, any kind of illness, our body needs to support us with the truth. And if we have not cleansed it from the chaff in the furnace, it will not be able to support us and the reason is because we in our time did not receive the truth because of arrogance and because of this of course the word was not cleansed in the fiery furnace any truth is sowed in corruption when we are in the corrupt body but the sown seed in the corrupt body at the time that God has required will uh, will become incorrupt and as it is written in in, uh, 1 Corinthians where you plant into the into the corrupt and then you reap what is incorrupt or imperishable and so it is necessary for us to trust in the Lord we hear about trusting in the Lord and it is necessary for God to cleanse us with his truth trusting in God requires something to happen and that is cleansing our conscience from dead works after which our conscience the area of our spirit then becomes able to receive the word of God the faith teaching and when we receive the faith teaching our conscience from dead cleanse from dead works is when a Baptist stops being a Baptist when a 
Pentecost uh, be stops being a Pentecost when you just become children of God, not religious people. Your conscience is cleansed from dead works and from those uh, perceptions, understandings that we may have obtained, acquired in our pri uh, in our other uh, religious churches that we attended. When you've cleansed your conscience from dead works, and now your conscience that is cleansed from dead works, we put the teaching of Christ there. When you have the teaching of Christ, uh, because of it, you uh, have hope, these mountains of God. And when our hope is uh, on this faith teaching, we have something to trust in. And now that you trust in something, you can confess with your mouth the not existent as existent as a Lord may be in accordance to your word. And it will begin to work in our life, begin to uh, function in our life, the truth. When you say, Lord, may it be in accordance to your word, like the young Mary did. She needed to have a strong foundation within her heart. It's not just the angel came to her because he they just chose it that way. And she said, may it be in accordance to your word. Uh, she needed to have this fa foundation, fundamental teaching uh, within herself. And if she would have said, may it be according to your will, but she didn't have this foundation of truth, nothing would have happened. She had a great foundation of Judaism, the fundamental teaching within her heart, upon which she then built her hope, and she relied upon and trusted upon this hope, and the word was not damaged in her heart, and not damaging the truth, and waiting <clears throat> for it and trusting in it, she was able then to say, may be in accordance to your, according to your word. Second result of perfect peace consisting in the rock of our spirit is our ability to guard the house of Israel by building a wall in the form of our body. The house of Israel is the church of Christ and our body as well. And you build a wall of defense. Of course, if you are a warrior in prayer, because Israel is a conqueror, is a warrior in prayer, Ezekiel 13.5, you have not gone up into the gaps to build a wall for the house of Israel to stand in battle on the day of the Lord. And so it is necessary for the Lord to find a person who would be able to stand in the gap, in the breach for his body. In Ezekiel, it is written in 20, 22nd chapter that I searched for a man that would be able to build a wall and stand in the breach. <clears throat> so I not destroy Israel, but did not. I did not find anyone. And so that's why he says that he will pour out his wrath upon them and he will put their own acts upon their, their head. The breach or gap in the house of God is the place within your heart that we give to the devil. And this is, we pretty much we go in the way of the old man, the carnal man, and his will. And let us look at what gives place in our heart to the, where we give a place to the devil in our heart. The scriptures say, do not give place to the devil. To stand in the gap for a person of prayer is not give place to the devil. It's not just uh, committing a sin and then putting up a wall. <clears throat> the intercession that we need to have when there's a gap or a person has a need 
we as intercessors and an intercessor is someone who hears God and God hears him whose conscience is cleansed from dead works the prayer of such a person God God hears and so here we see a very unique uh, very unique places where we are able to give to the devil or we could give to the devil why does the devil need this gap within our wall so that the wrath of God come the devil knows that God is angry has indignation against the old man and he knows the old man lives in our body all he needs is that we have this breach this gap that we allow we allow it in our life and now the wrath of God comes into our life and upon our body in the form of say illnesses they come into our life and if we have this wall of defense and we don't give place to the devil then if an illness comes in our life it does not come then as a form of punishment but as a trial because when there's a breach or a gap illness comes as a form of punishment but if it comes in the form of punishment it's as a harvest but if a person does not have a gap and illness just comes unexpectedly then this means that God is leading him through trial through testing and this is a good time for sowing because we sow into corruption we sow in tears we sow into death and this is the time when we sow so that the Lord can then uh, bring forth life and resurrection in our body let us look at how we not give place to the devil where are these where do these gaps happen first place we give to the devil are words of deception that we say to one another the scriptures say in the book of Ephesians putting away lying let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor and so not depriving the old man of of this corruption and deception in our heart then we cannot uh, speak to God or he will not hear us and so when your conscience is not cleansed from dead works you can smile you can lie and I'm jealous of a person I don't receive them Uh, it's very important that we cleanse our conscience from dead works don't speak deception to one another don't speak lying to one another this is put to death all these dead works so that when you do speak to your brother or sister you actually say I love you and you you mean that because that's truly what you want the second place we give to the devil is our indignation or anger that we do not free ourselves of by the setting of the Sun if I have anger wrath in my heart I uh, go to bed without forgiving Uh, this person that has offended me then I have now opened up a gap if I go to bed without forgiving them I have now opened a gap in my wall for God's wrath if you ever take your neighbor's garment as a pledge you shall return it to him before the Sun goes down for that is his only covering it is his garment for skin and so you need to again 
forgive this brother or sister before he even asks for forgiveness before the setting of the sun. And so our clock is the setting of the sun. And so this needs to happen before the setting of the sun. If someone offended me, if a, a holy person offended me somehow, uh, upset me, I need to forgive this person. Third place we give to the devil is robbery, where we claim for ourselves what does not belong to us. In the book of Ephesians, it says, the one that has, uh, who, st- who has stolen, do not steal, or do not continue to steal. It speaks of this. It's the same uh, place of scripture that continues on with all of these. <clears throat> and so robbery is when a person does not honor God with his tithes and offerings. And second, when he... he uh, claims for himself or makes himself author of the words or the truth that had been spoken by his uh, holy ones. Fourth place we give to the devil are corrupt words coming out of our mouth which are not edification in faith and cannot impart grace to the hearer. The scriptures say, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth but what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearer. And so idle or rotten words which we speak are words that are not the faith of our heart and are not imprinted upon the tablets of our heart. And so we, contrary to the truth, against the truth, we don't cleanse our mouth, we take God's words in our mouth, we try to justify ourselves with them, we give place to the devil. And so idle, rotten words, they come from a heart that is not cleansed from dead works as well as from our mouth that is not cleansed from the filth. And so a person may say, well, I've cleansed my conscience from dead works. This is uh, easy to examine by how a person speaks because our heart reflects Our mouth reflects what our heart has. And so if our lips are dirty, then that means our heart is also not cleansed from dead works. God looks at what you say and how you speak. And so we will cleanse not just our heart, but also with our heart, our mouth as well. Because our mouth is to be used so that we can praise God. Fifth place we give to the devil is insulting the Holy Spirit of God by whom we were sealed in the day of redemption. And so as it says that you do not insult the spirit of grace, as it's written in Hebrews 6th place we give to the devil is all irritation and anger and wrath and shouting and evil speaking with all malice. The words that we spew from our mouth in irritation, wrath, anger and evil speaking make our mouth unclean and give within our heart place for the devil which actually belong to God. 
And so you not only not need to speak idle or evil or but dirty words as well, but also words of anger, irritation, wrath, shouting. And so a person may be afraid to speak any kind of <clears throat> dirty word, but they're not afraid to speak angry and in wrath and irritation. And so for me, anger, wrath, irritation is is also a, a similar thing to the dirty speaking. third result of perfect, perfect peace consisting in the rock of our spirit is the memory or recollection of casting off the old man with his deeds imprinted upon our heart. We need to have again the memory of casting off the old man with his deeds imprinted upon our heart. This will be a memory within us. What is casting off the old man is to tear off, one of the definitions of it is to literally tear off the skin from a living animal. The difference between the Old man, old Testament and New Testament, in the Old Testament, first, they, the, the animal was slaughtered. And after the animal was slaughtered, they removed the, the skins and then they took out the insides. But in the New Testament, you don't kill the or slaughter the animal. You remove the skin while he's alive. And so it says, present your body a living sacrifice, a living sacrifice, acceptable to God, holy and acceptable to God. Imagine the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Let us look how Jeremiah uh, laments the book in Lamentations. He will list here, explains here the experience of a person who casts off the old man from himself. And he talks about how this will be a remembrance or memory for, or how it is for him, a memory of things that had happened. Lamentation 3, 1 through 26. I am the man who has seen affliction by the rod of his wrath. He has led me and made me walk in darkness and not in light. Surely he has turned his hand against me time and time again throughout the day. He has aged my flesh and my skin and broken my bones. He has besieged me and surrounded me with bitterness and woe. He has set me in dark places like the dead of long ago. He has hedged me in so hedged me in so that I cannot get out. What happens when we imprison the old man? This is horror. He has hedged me in so that I cannot get out. Because when I, when he gets out, that means the old man comes out and, and, and is able to do his own work. But he has been put into a prison so he cannot get out. He has made my chain heavy. The old man needs to have a heavy chain. Even when I cry and shout, he shut out my prayer. He has blocked my ways with hewn stone. 
He has made my paths crooked. He has been to me a bear lying in wait, like a lion in ambush. He has turned aside my ways and torn me up into pieces. He has made me desolate. Apostle Paul says, I have refused everything, I rejected all and counted as nothing, counted as rubbish means that he had the memory of casting off the old man just like Jeremiah he has turned aside my ways and torn me in pieces he has made me desolate he has bent his bow and set me up as a target for the arrow when we proclaim the not existent as existent count ourselves dead to sin living for God this is a target for the arrow he has caused me the caused the arrows of his quiver to pierce my loins I have become the ridicule of all my people, their taunting song all the day. He has filled me with bitterness. He has made me drink wormwood. He has also broken my teeth with gravel and covered me with ashes. You have moved my soul far from peace. I have forgotten prosperity. And I said, my strength and my hope have perished from the Lord. Remember my affliction and roaming. Here's what happens when the old man begins dying. You'll speak these words. Remember my affliction and roaming, the wormwood and the gall. My soul still remembers and sinks within me. My soul still remembers and sinks within me. This I recall to my mind. Therefore, I have hope. Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. The resurrection of Christ will be uh, conformed to His death, conformed to His resurrection. They are now... Ev- They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in Him. The Lord is good to those who wait for Him, to the soul who seeks Him. It is good that one should hope and wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. And so we see here the death of the soul, the old man, and the resurrection of the soul. Here we note three important things. First, This is one of the stunning illustrations showing the circumstances and state that a person experiences being within the grasp of his hellish inheritance passed on to him in the program of the seed of his fathers. And so as we just read, what did we see first? We saw our state that a person experiences and that I experience that has been passed on this hellish program, this hellish inheritance in the program of the seed of the fathers. Second, in Lamentation we see this is God's attitude toward governing sin within our body, not just our own state, the terrible state we're in, but God also shows in this place, in this place of scripture we've read, that God's attitude toward governing sin within our body, the old man with his deeds, being supported by the organized powers of darkness, which a person experiences when he resists this governing sin within himself. We see that the nations uh, laughed at him. 
he became a ridicule, he says. And so these are emotions, our feelings, this, this is our mood that either falls or rises. When a person casts off the old man, he becomes a ridicule. We'll talk about that a little bit. Third, in Lamentations, casting off the old man with his deeds will leave a strong memory of this process of suffering, scars on the hands of your, of your new person, which will be a stronghold of humility for you safeguarding or preventing you from any form of boasting or exaltation. Zechariah 13, 5, 6. But he will say, I am, no, I am no prophet, I am a farmer, for a man taught me to keep cattle from my youth. And one will say to him, What are these wounds between your arms? Then he will answer, Those with which, those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. And it's interesting that we will have these scars, these wounds, these scars, and they will shine in the glory of God. These scars of casting off the old man. And so it's when you want to speak a word in anger and wrath, you withhold yourself, and in this way you cause this wound, this uh, scar to happen. In this way, you destroy the old man. And when the strike happens upon the old man, then we, of course, experience this, these wounds, these scars. And these will be glory in the future, a glory in the future. Jesus came to his disciples when they were in a room with their door closed. He stood amongst them and said, Peace to you. And before, he said, as the Lord has sent me, I send you. He wanted to show them. He showed them his hands and the wounds that were in, on his hands and his leg, his feet, and also his side. And then he said, do you agree to have these? The scriptures say they rejoiced. He breathed on them and said, now receive the Holy Spirit. As the Father has sent me, I send you. And now you also will have these wounds, these scars. And Thomas wasn't there. And Thomas said, if I don't see these wounds and don't put my own finger in his wound, I won't believe. I will only believe in the Messiah and in the truth if he has these wounds, these scars. And when he had come after eight days, he came to Thomas and said, come and put your finger in my wounds. And he said, Lord, my God. And what does this say? And so if we put our fingers into his wounds, then he will need to do the same with us. And he will do this. He'll say, may I see your hands and your feet? <clears throat> where are the where are the scars? Where are the wounds? The collaborating, the collaboration of your cross with mine. But no one taught us this. They told us we need to be healed and prosperous. Where are the wounds upon your hands and your feet? It's very important. That's the third result of perfect peace, which is a memory of casting off the old man with his deeds and the scars and wounds from this work. 
fourth result of perfect peace consisting in the rock of our spirit is our ability to forgive our neighbors. We will remember that forgiveness is a decision of the mind and will to forgive your neighbor for their cowardly and unseemly acts with which they have offended us. This is our ability to lead the emotional aspect of our soul. Here's how Joseph did this. See how he forgave his brothers. He needed to discipline his emotions and lead them. Genesis 49, 22-24 Joseph is a fruitful bow, a fruitful bow by a well. His branches run over the wall. The archer, archers have bitterly grieved him, shot at him, and hated him. But his and so his brothers, but his bow remained in strength, and the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. From there is the shepherd, the stone of Israel. The result of perfect peace, symbolically presented in the strength of our bow, identifying the true strength of our spirit consists of the decision of our mind and will to forgive our neighbors as God has forgiven us in Jesus Christ. Mark 11, 25, 26, And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. And so to forgive, you need to be as Joseph, and to be as Joseph, you need to have the two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. And so Ephraim, one who is fruitful or whose heart is cleansed from dead works, and Manasseh, is the Lord has allowed me, is a person who has forced, actually the correct trans, uh, definition, is the Lord has, it's a person who forces himself to forget the offenses and pain that has been inflicted on them and this is one who forces himself to forget that means discipline your emotions and lead them the essence of forgiveness is that by forgiving your neighbor we save our souls as we give God the legitimate grounds he needs to forgive us in Jesus Christ just as we have forgiven our neighbor and we will remember that the sin of our neighbor against us is not comparable in gravity or price with the price of our sins against God. Therefore, God forgiving our sins is directly dependent upon us forgiving the sins of our neighbor. And so our sins were much more grave against God than those sins that are committed against us by saints. Matthew 18, 21 through 35. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me? And I forgive him up to seven times. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And so one talent of gold is about 30 kilograms. And so he, one person owed him 10,000 talents. 
these are literally wagons and wagons of, of gold, if you can imagine how much gold he owed him. What kind of price uh, God forgives our debts. Sometimes a person may say, well, the Lord will forgive. No, these are 10,000 talents of silver. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and that payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him and forgave him the debt. God forgives our sins and justifies us when we forgive and justify our neighbors. If we want to be forgiven and justified, but we don't want to forgive our neighbor, then we haven't received our justification uh, correctly because it requires you to forgive your neighbor as well. And if and if you don't forgive uh, the debt of your neighbor or the sin of your neighbor, God will also remember the debt that you still owe him because he forgave it, but he can remember if you're not forgiving. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He owed him a hundred denarii. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat and said, Pay me what you owe. We see that God doesn't behave this way. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. And so, in other words, he decided he will not forgive <clears throat> his brother before the setting of the sun. When he, for, when he repents before everyone and me, then I will forgive him. May the Lord protect us from this kind of behavior. This is literally a verdict of death for us. And so he put him, threw him into a prison till he should pay the debt and see what kind of results follow. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. So my heavenly Father also will do to you, if, to each of you, from his heart, if, if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Not forgiving the sins of our neighbor who has sinned against us is precisely that place we give to the devil within our heart, which actually belongs to God. And giving this place to the devil, we will then share with him the eternal place in the lake of fire, burning with fire and brimstone. When we forgive the sin of our neighbor who has sinned against us, we keep this place for the Lord. And as a reward for such obedience to God, we in the life of the world to come will share eternal life with the Lord in the new heaven and new earth. 
this is what forgiveness does and correctly forgiving as Jesus has forgiven us he showed in this parable how he wants to forgive fifth result of perfect peace consisting in the rock of our spirit is having the throne of David within our essence Isaiah 9 7 of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward even forever the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this looking at the given prophetic statement we conclude that establishing the throne of David which has no end is called to give God the legitimate ability to increase and expand his government and his godly peace over all of our essence including the body not just the spirit and soul but also the body we rely upon God and trust him based on the measure of our faith which can be measured by our spiritual growth the measure of our spiritual growth identifies the measure of our knowledge of the unsearchable inheritance of Christ the measure of our dedication to God depends on our knowledge of the unsearchable inheritance of Christ where God establishes our throne which is the throne of David John 3 he who has received his testimony has certified that God is true for he whom God has sent speaks the word of God for God does not give the Spirit by measure. Romans 12.3 For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. And so we see that the measure of our faith depends on our spiritual growth and our spiritual growth is determined by our knowledge. It can't be that a person has spiritual growth and he consider himself spiritual but not have any knowledge of the truth. Even if specific spiritual things occur through this person, he's healing others or he does something else, something supernatural, he speaks in tongues. This does not make a person spiritual. Spiritual uh, miracles, demonstrations, things like that uh, don't make a person spiritual. The measure of your knowledge of the Word of God determines your spirituality, and the measure of your knowledge is by the ability to dedicate yourself to God, and you dedicate yourself by sanctifying yourself taking yourself from what does not belong to God, separating yourself. And so again, a spiritual person is not someone who does spiritual uh, acts or, 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 or signs, but one who has his knowledge of the truth. Relevant to this, we will remember that in every aspect of our three-dimensional essence, it is necessary to establish the throne of David so that each of the areas of our essence in the form of our spirit, soul, and body <clears throat> would be governed by the throne of David.
Considering this, all three thrones are called to fulfill three different purposes but pursue one goal, and that is to make our body a house of the Most High in which He desires to dwell forever. Three thrones pursuing one goal to make our body a house of God where He would be abiding forever. And so why are there three thrones? Because they have three different purposes, three roles that they play. And so God will not will not be able to be enthroned in our body, in the temple of our body, if we don't have these three. In the area of our spirit, the throne of David is our conscience, cleansed from dead works, with the truth of the elementary teaching of Christ imprinted upon its tablets, and the Holy Spirit who reveals this truth in our heart. All begins with our heart. Here we obtain the ability to understand the Holy Spirit. How do you understand the Holy Spirit? To understand the Holy Spirit is possible when you receive the preached word of His messengers. Our spirit learns to understand the Holy Spirit in the preached word that we hear. The second, <clears throat> the area of our soul that helps our spirit understand. And so our renewed mind, the area of our soul, the throne of David is the reasonable part of our soul, renewed with the spirit of our mind, so that it can receive the ability to be governed by the reasonable part of our spirit or by the mind of our spirit. Very important. This is our prince, and we know that the prince is a person who's able to control his horse, is able to control his emotions. When the Lord comes, the second coming, he will come upon a white horse, and all the saints that will follow him, no one is walking. Well, I couldn't discipline my feelings, I'm sorry, can I just walk? No. You will be with the church of the first first sheaf, the first fruit, uh, with those who are able to discipline their horse. And the heavens were opened and I saw him seated on a white horse who judges righteously and and rules. And he was covered with blood, and upon him he had the wounds, the scars. You can't discipline your horse if you don't have these scars. And horses followed him with those saints who who are seated upon these horses, each one having their own horse, and each person, until before we're raptured, and before the... The glory of God is revealed in our body. Each one needs to have this prince inside, one who's able to govern or rule over his horse, properly control his horse, um, direct his horse. That is your emotions, so that you can come and approach the threshold of the temple and then bring your prayer, give it to the priest, which is your spirit, who will be able to, to then bring it in before God's face. very important about our soul and in the area of our body the throne of David is our pure tongue or clean mouth able to call upon God in truth and righteousness 
establishing the throne of David in the three areas of our essence, our heart, our mind, and our mouth will function as a team, or as three of the Lord's horses of battle, which are harnessed to one chariot of the Lord. The phrase spoken regarding the throne of David, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever, the seal of the Lord of hosts will perform this, implies we are called to establish the three existing thrones within our essence by the fruit of our mouth, confessing the word of the Lord's judgments and the righteousness of the Lord, clothed into the zeal of the Lord of hosts. And so, these are these wonderful words. And with this, we have finished the name of the Lord, Rock, and we will go on to the third in the next services. Let us now be blessed in our prayer. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for this great privilege to be upon this place that your hand has appointed for the worshiping of your holy name. We thank you that you have put a memory of your name here, remembrance of your name, and the enemy has more than once tried to take it away. But you have established this place for your saints because upon this place, when we come here and we worship before you, we come as your temple, into your temple, so that we can represent your will, your interests. We confess the faith of our heart. We honor you. We glorify you. We thank you that being in this place today, we have access to the throne of grace. <clears throat> we have the great privilege to approach Mount Zion the great Jerusalem. We thank you that you have given us the right to be a part of the church of the first sheaf, the spirit of the righteous ones who have achieved perfection, who have received your promise and have died with this faith. Thank you that being upon this place, we can approach you and we can be intercessors and we can also have access to your blood. Thank you for the privilege of being in this place and worshiping before you. Thank you for the truth that we were able to hear today and that we were able to receive into our heart. You have given to us, according to your mercy, the ability to hear and understand the Holy Spirit in the preached words of your messenger into our heart and we carefully put away these, these revelations into our heart waiting until you show your mercy until you make these words accessible and understandable for our soul and our mind and you do this when we with trembling with humility listen to your word and incline our ear to your word thank you for the opportunity 
to cleanse our heart from dead works so that in our heart we would have the truth of God imprinted and so that according to this word we can be clothed into your new into the new person that is created in accordance to God and true righteousness and holiness we pray Lord today for your mercy your great mercy and your generosity that it be directed toward your holy and undamaged truth and that we put into our heart we've placed it into our heart and we placed it into our mind we pray that your mercy and your healing your restoration would access our soul so that if we have these wounds these wounds begin to shine with your glory allow us to keep this great memory of casting off the old man with his deeds we thank you Lord for these scars and these wounds for your wounded hands and your feet and your side we've placed our fingers into your wounds and we have rejoiced with a gladness that is unparalleled and we have said that you are our Lord and our God and you clothe us today with your power to be able to have these scars and wounds but not to suffer for sin but for the truth when we cast off the old man with his deeds and we pray that casting off the old man would only be a memory for us a memory in the scars and we pray that the stronghold of death in the form of the old man be thrusted out from within our body into hell with noise and that the stronghold of life be established and erected within our body we thank you father that you have forgiven us and that you have justified us and for the ability to forgive the saints when they offend us due to their cowardness their ignorance Lord we produce fruit today the fruit of Ephraim and Manasseh you've made our heart fruitful cleansed from all dead works from offenses from suspicion and you have allowed us today <coughs> to force ourselves in accordance to your word to forgive those that have offended us in the name of Jesus Christ because our debt before you was much more significant than that of those who have sinned against us we forgive those who have offended us those saints who have offended us and we pray that you pour out your wrath upon the offenders who are wicked and lawless we give place to your wrath we do not want to say something in wrath we don't want to speak dirty words we create an atmosphere for your glory 
so that you can utilize the power of your glorious names in our lives. And we want to see your power and allow us to collaborate today. Allow us to lift you up in your names, magnify you in your names. We thank you, Lord, our strength. We thank you that you are unchanging in your word. Thank you that you are immovable in your word. You are strong in your covenant with us, in the covenant you made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and that has become accessible to us because of your Son, Jesus Christ. And we enter by the way of your Son into the inheritance. We take part in it, the inheritance of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Thank you for this privilege to take part in this mercy because it is not by the law that you gave to Abraham and his seed to be the heir of promise, but by the righteousness of faith. And so everything you give to us according to your mercy in your justification allows to grow fruits of righteousness and receive it as a possession. Show your great mercy in your healing for our bodies and the bodies of the saints who are in need of it today in your godly touch. And for this, we fill and we cover the bodies of your saints. We protect them. We stand in the breach, not so that the devil have access, but so that your wrath would not be directed against your saints. If your wrath will not be directed against your saints, the devil will not then have any ability or access. And so we make the decision in our personal life not to give place to the devil. And so everything that will come, tests and trials in our life, they will not be punishment. They will be trials, tests. And we thank you for the privilege in this trials to sow, sow in tears, but the time will then come when we will reap with joy. We sow today in corruption and we know that we will reap in corruption. We know that death will be devoured with victory, the victory of the Lord Jesus Christ in our life. We thank you for the word that we have heard. Thank you for our pastor, for Brother Arkady. We with trembling and humility wait when he will be able to teach us again from this place and open up your revelations. We pray for your mercy because your undamaged and holy truth has found its place in this holy man and you have given us this truth because of him and so in accordance to your word according to your word in the name of Jesus Christ may this holy person be given your godly healing and restoration and resurrection and all of those saints also who are guards but are in illness, 
who are suffering an illness that you magnify your holy and undamaged truth and that your mercy would be able to meet with this truth and righteousness and peace would be able to kiss in our life. We thank you, Lord, for this great mercy and we pray for the mercy that waits for us in the coming services. Our great God, Son and Holy Spirit, Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from the evil one for yours is the kingdom and power and glory forever amen and let us finish with our unchanging manifestation now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior who alone is wise be glory and majesty dominion and power both now and forever Amen